We answer some of your questions about fall weed control, plus breeding bull nutrition now that many of you are pulling bulls. Crew, let's ranch it up. Good day, everyone, and thanks for riding with us on this all-new episode of the Ranch It Up Radio Show. I'm Jeff Tigger Earhart. A big thank you to our partners, the American Galvey Association, the Tri-State Livestock News, the Farmer and Rancher Exchange, and the Fence Post, Westway Feed Products, Medora Boot and Western Wear, Dakota Cowboy, Allied Genetic Resources, LivestockMarket.com, EquineMarket.com, AuctionTime.com, RFD-TV, and Wrangler. We have had many of you reach out to us for fall weed control. Some questions, should we, shouldn't we, should we leave it off until next year? Forget about it. If we do, are we going to be in more trouble and have more weeds that we need to contend with? A lot of questions to ask because there's a lot of tasks we're trying to get done before we move into the next season. So to answer some of those questions, I bring in Dr. Kevin Sedevig, NDSU Extension Rangeland Management Specialist. We're talking fall weed control. Here is my situation. I was going to get a hold of my local agronomy center and come out and spray pastures where I have got some weeds that are just flourishing. Weeds specifically, we're talking Canadian thistle, we're talking leafy spurge, we're talking wormwood, we're talking noxious weeds. Can Mm -hmm. I do that yet? Um, Should I wait till the fall or have we passed that window? What is your recommendation of managing those weeds going forward? So... Normally, when we look at whether it's leafy spurge or absent wormwood in particular, um, we typically, we miss the first window for leafy spurge. So the next window is usually that September period. When you get that next flush, you tend to get your best control, the September herbicide treatment on spurge. Canathistle is different. Uh, and the herbicide is different choice. So canathistle, you can spray really any time. And you can spray canathistle any time with the right herbicide and get good control as long as it's growing correct as long as it's actively growing now what about uh what about wormwood aka stinkweed what about managing that thing because my goodness it's getting as as tall as a small forest yeah so wormwood is a is a bit wormwood's actually fairly easy to control but you have to spray it at about the one foot phase so you want to be spraying that usually in the month of june when it's about a foot tall and after that, you can spray whatever you want, unless you go a high rate of tordon, you won't you won't kill it. So we typically only use on wormwood in particular that June period when it's about a foot tall. And there's a number of different herbicides in the market now for wormwood that look good, um, but normally you want to do a spring, middle you know that June application period. So really, you know, if we miss that that period, probably a good idea to just put it on the back burner for an hour or. Put it on the schedule, I should say, for next year that we're we're prepared. Is that kind of what you're saying in terms of the wormwood anyway? Yeah. Yeah. So like wormwood, my plan was to do some wormwood control this year with a new trial. Well, by the time I got out there, it was about a foot and a half tall. And so I put it on the back burner. I, 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 I don't have any problem with mowing it because, you know, you want to reduce seed production. So if you mowed it down, you'd at least eliminate seed production because one wormwood plant produces about 150,000 seeds a year. So it is nice to, to knock it down before it goes to seed, but we didn't even do that either. So I usually put that on the back burner for next year is my plan. So what about coming in in uh, either a, I know a lot of people, you know this, they just go in and they swath this and they bail it just to get it out of the way. 
So what do you think about that practice, just to get it out of the way, that you can open some corral gates or something like that, and then uh, also coming in and just shredding it and mowing this stuff down? Yeah, I, I would be a little bit more, if you mowed it down now and you baled it, it's actually illegal to move a noxious weed. So if you put in a bale, you have to keep it on your property by law. So shredding is a better option. You can shred it in that area, shred it down, it'll stay there. That's usually your, by law, is your, your best option for a noxious weed in particular. Now, in terms of a biological control, and uh, we've been looking more and more into this, is uh, using some of our uh, different livestock that we have available to us. What about having sheep and goats graze some of these uh, these noxious weeds? I've talked with other individuals, and they said, oh, yeah, you can do that, but you got to do that stuff early on. When it starts getting too stocky, nothing wants to go in there and graze on this stuff. So that's that's true for wormwood. Wormwood, and we've done some work with goats and sheep on wormwood, and, and as it gets taller, they tend to eat less of it. Um, that's not true of leafy spurge. The leafy spurge, goats in particular, will eat leafy spurge any time of the year. Uh, I always say leafy spurge to goats is like cocaine. They'd absolutely <laughs> love it. I'd love to and see they, that one. Yeah, yeah. And they, they love leafy spurge any time of the year. And so. so they will actually go, if they have a choice between this type of grass and leafy spurge, they'll actually go and pick leafy spurge. It's not like we need to force graze something. Correct. Yeah, goats just love it. It's it's crazy. They'll they'll pick spurge over anything else in the pasture. That's not true of sheep. Sheep are a little bit different where sheep have a little bit of, a, of an antagon, antagonistic flavor on the latex for about one to two weeks. And eventually the taste outweighs that antagonistic effect and then sheep will eat it more readily once you get past that first two weeks we tend to actually will train our sheep put them on spurge for a few days so they get that after kind of force them to eat it then that then they kind of go on it um but sheep will eat spurge all year long too once they've gotten past that point where okay this tastes better than it actually bothers me that makes sense. It does. And because this was one of our strategies of a new piece of ground that, that we took over the management of that has been mismanaged for a number of years. And we're looking at obviously just trying to control the weeds and to get some healthy root structures of grasses going. And that's one of the th- options that we've been looking at is talking to some neighbors and saying, you know, okay, can we cost share this? Or are you looking for some more ground to run your sheep? or your goats on, we might have a perfect situation for you when we're neighbors just down the road and say, okay, I tell you what, uh, we've got a situation here that we know by using some chemicals we might not be able to take care of, and if they bring over the four-legged kind, if that would help us. Absolutely. I mean, to me, the, the grazing side of it is a better is a better option um, because they eat it. Now, they're not going to control it, but they're going to consume it. And what we found in, in the research, if you had sheep or goats grazing spurge, for three years or longer, they really knock it down. When we graze sheep on spurge for 10 years, we get about a 99% control. But once you pull the sheep off, it takes about two to three years, and all of a sudden the spurge is back. You know, So you don't kill it, but you can really reduce it. And it looks, it makes a really good cow pasture when, they're, when, they're, when they've been in there. The, the, the livestock and the cattle-sheep combination it gives you about a bump of about 20 to 25% increase in stocking rate because of their differences in diet, especially when spurge is part of the part of the plant community. Uh, it's just amazing what they'll do to it over time. And they really clean it up. It's just, it's just 
knowing in your back of your mind you're not going to get rid of it, but you can really knock it back at a high rate with continued use of, of sheep or goats on spurge. Dr. Kevin Sedovic, NDSU Extension Rangeland Specialist. Always great to have you on the show. And lo and behold, look who pops in about 10 minutes late. I'm assuming it's because you heard Kevin and I talking about goats. Well, and you went crazy and you said, I got to come in and I got to weigh in on this deal. First off, uh, I was excited to hear you talking to Dr. Sedovic. He was a past professor of mine as well. But yes, when you mentioned goats, immediately my ears were honed in just like a border collie who's pointed in on whatever she's going after. Anyway, yes, double cropping with goats. That's what I keep throwing at you, Tigger. I'm like, we're going to get some Nigerian dwarf goats. We're going to run them with the cows and we're going to run a different group with the horses. And our weed control problem is under control finally. Okay, this thing just spiraled out of control. We're first, and I appreciate those people asking those questions about fall weed management. We're all dealing with that. But interestingly enough, Kevin and I, just prior to the show, we were visiting, and he said, look at those noxious weeds as a cash crop. Ah. I think that's that's kind of a genius way of looking at it, that can you actually use something like that to produce another form of livestock? But here's my question, and I need help with this. Before we make the investment of the goats on our operation, is the juice worth the squeeze because we do not have the facilities to be able to manage said livestock. We don't have the fences. Do we need to move that around? So are we going to be putting more time, effort, labor, and money into additional facilities to be able to move said livestock around? Uh, Help us with this. I mean, because now I got quite, you asked me questions. Now I'm asking the questions back in regards to that. Or my other question is because goats and sheep are also herd animals, just like cows are. If we confine them for a little bit of time, will they develop a relationship where they will travel and stay amongst each other? So we don't have to do the big investment of upgrading our fences. Okay. Lots of questions being asked right there. So give us a call or text us 706. 7726-2420. It is 707 Ranch 20. You can leave us a message there. You can text us there. Fire us an email and leave your phone numbers, please, because obviously I'm gonna want to get I need your help with this. Gonna want to get on the phone and visit with you about this. Email ranch it up show at gmail.com. On to other topics. It is the time when we're pulling bulls, but breeding bull nutrition now is so darn important. We need to have eyes on those critters for very, very, very good reason. We've got that and more coming up, the Ranch It Up Radio Show. We'll be back right after this. Before you head to the next rodeo, a concert, maybe a gathering on or off the ranch, we head to Medora Boot and Western Wear. Tigger and back here for Medora Boot and Western Wear, latest Western fashion in boots, jackets, and hats. From durable ranch wear to keeping the horses in sturdy tack, visit MedoraBoot.com to order. Or better yet, plan to visit Medora, North Dakota and shop Medora Boot and Western Wear. Again, go to MedoraBoot.com. You can follow on Facebook and tell them Tigger and Beck sent you. Fall production sales are fixing to rev up, and with the prices of calves, which are excellent, and the prices of the way-ups, which are excellent, it may be a time to take those older bulls to town, weigh them up, and apply those dollars to fresh genetics. 
Allied Genetic Resources is your source for bulls and females that can take your program to the next level. Check out the fall sales at AlliedGeneticResources.com and follow along on Facebook. It's that time of year when we're loading trailers and we're hauling cattle. Regardless of what's going on, ranching never stops. Neither should your nutrition program. With Westway Feed Products molasses-based liquid feed supplement, you can embrace a nutrition program that aligns with your ranch's unwavering dedication. Ranching never stops and neither should your commitment to your cattle's health. For more information and to find a Westway Feed Product rep near you, call 800-800-7517. That's 800-800-7517. Or visit westwayfeed.com. Cattle Battle. The Ranch It Up Radio Show, the most information packed into a 30 minute program that you can find. It's your all things ranching newscast, and so glad to be with you. Questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, rants, it doesn't matter. Give us a call or text us 24 7. The number 707 Ranch 20. That's 707 707- Seven two six two four two zero. You can email us ranchitupshow at gmail dot com. Social media prowling around everywhere at ranchitupshow. Now, just the season. You know, I swear I say that all the time. It's always the season for something, and it is the time when many producers are pulling bulls from pastures. But then, what do we just move them to another pasture and let them go until next season, or maybe? 30 days prior to when we need them, we give them a little groceries. Breeding bull nutrition, it's 24-7, 365. And many times those bulls, they get a little run down this time of year, and nutritionally, they have needs. And I, I say this many times, we need to be proactive instead of reactive. Get ahead of the game, ahead of the game, proactive versus reactive. So let's talk breeding bull health. Dr. Kelly Sanders is leader of the Ruminant Nutrition Technical Team and Research and Development and Quality with Westway Feed Products. Kelly, it's great to talk with you again. It uh, is the season when a lot of people are pulling bulls from pasture. Very good management practice, so kudos to everyone doing that. But let's talk herd bull nutrition and management versus just pulling bulls and taking them to their own pasture and you're kicking them back into one, especially in a big, big chunk of the country, Kelly, that is so being devastated by drought. I mean, gosh, you're in that area where it's been 100-plus degrees for, well, like we were joking, since Christmas, I swear. So what do we need to do with these bulls to set them up for success going into the winter? Well, I think we have to really evaluate, uh, you know, where they're at on body condition score. So many of these bulls come out of pastures on a normal year and in pretty rough condition, right? Just because, you know, they're chasing cows and a lot of times uh, uh, they're, they've run off a lot of body condition score because they're not eating a lot, you know? So that, that can uh, be something that we need to really look at. And we're kind of at the end of summer. We're, least in our neck of the woods uh, grass is not always that good here so you don't see bulls come back into condition until you get them off those cows and you get them somewhere and you put a little feed in front of them so i think the first thing is man you got to look at their body condition score and see if where they're at in that and say do i need to feed them a little bit and get them start ready to go through winter because at the end of the day when when we need those bulls to be in a body condition score six six and a half if they're you know yearling bulls 
being ready to turn out. Uh, we really don't want to have to feed them just super hard right before they go out, you know, to get them into that shape. It's just easier on them when we can keep them in better body condition score and get them a little closer to where they need to be to go through winter. And so we don't have to push them as near as hard going uh, uh, right before we go to turnout. So are they a lot like people in a way where we don't, and you're probably going to say yes to this, where we don't want to, you know, work out at the to go into the beginning of summer, right? Because we want to be fit and we want to look good. And then all of a sudden, well, we're going to take the winter off and we're going to do nothing but eat pizza and have ice cream. And then we're going to work real hard again. That can be very tough and dangerous internally on the digestive tract, right? I mean, when you start to go through extremes where we use those bulls really, 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 really hard. And then, well, we're just going to give them the winter off and just kind of let them lollygag around. Yeah, I'd, I I would agree. I don't think we want to just push the heck out of these bulls, but we do want to start easing them back into a better body condition score. So, again, like I said before, when we don't have to push them for the last 60 days and get them to that body condition score six and try to put two or 300 pounds on a bull, right? And I think it's really hard for them to go through winter when they don't have enough condition on them to keep themselves warm and things of that nature because that's just going to make things worse. Uh, I think the easier we can move these bulls into better body condition score so they're ready to go to work in the spring, the better off we are. Uh, again, those extremes are tough no matter what. Plus, you know, when we're trying to push those bulls really hard for 60 days, we're always uh, open to potential, you know, acidosis issues and if you have a bull that goes into acidosis 60 days before you know turnout his semen quality is going to be terrible i mean it's just it doesn't come back as quick as you would like for it to because you have to remember spermatogenesis is a 60-day process and so if we if we damage or we cause insult to spermatogenesis in that window then it's going to take him a while to come back so talking particular product, would it be advantageous to get some of the Westway lick tubs and have them available and let those bulls kind of balance their own rations? I always think that's kind of handy myself, especially where let's just talk management. It is what it is. We pull those bulls. We probably have a pasture closer to home is kind of how I think a lot of us are set up. We're that way that you pull yeah. those bulls out and you bring them a little closer to home and and uh, a strategy I guess we've used is is some of the Westway lick tubs and put them out there and just let them balance themselves where nutritionally, as maybe they need a little bit more supplement with some of that grass where there just isn't much quality there anyway. Is that a good strategy to use that it, that it pays off down the road just to help keep those bulls internally that their their guts are moving and keep them strong? Because as you and I have talked a thousand times, everything stems from nutrition. It does. And I think uh, providing a liquid supplement, you know, allows those bulls to ease back into uh, the, you know, the better nutrition, right? Grass is still pretty decent right now. So if you turn those bulls back into some liquid, they're not going to hit it really hard, but they are going to try to balance their diet out a little bit. And you can start easily putting condition back on those bulls a little slower. And I just think that's easier on the cattle. It, at the end of the day, I, just the principle of easing bulls back into better body condition score, in my opinion, is so much better on the bull. I think it, it lends itself to better semen quality, better semen motility and, and uh, structure in the whole nine yards. And so I just think it's a 
way better doing it. And liquid is a good way of, of, of easing them into that nutrition. The other thing is we really need to be paying attention on, you know, just the mineral balance that they have zinc, copper, manganese, selenium, all four of those are extremely important in uh, semen quality, semen volume, uh, you know, just the whole, all four of those play a key role in some form or fashion in, in spermatogenesis and really good quality semen. So that's another thing you need to think about. A good mineral program uh, is is important. You know, the data just keeps kind of coming out that even organic uh, trace minerals are very, very important. They do even a better job than, you know, just regular, say, sulfate. So it's another thing. Those 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 things are just part of the whole balance of a nutritional stool. I always tell guys that, you know, in my opinion, uh, nutrition's three, three-legged stools. It's mm-hmm. protein, it's energy, and it's minerals and vitamins. And uh, if, if we get all those right, then we usually can do a pretty good job uh, managing these cows from a nutrition or bulls from a nutritional status. And can we get those minerals that you mentioned and those trace minerals? Can we get those balanced and available in the liquid form or in a lick tub? You can in those traces. You certainly can. We don't have uh, any issues getting trace minerals put in uh, uh, our liquid feeds. So it's it's easy and it's convenient, is what you're saying. You bet. You bet. You said it better than me. Dr. Kelly Sanders with Westway Feed Products. Great to catch up with you again. Now, coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking cow-calf nutrition, weaning calf nutrition, and solutions to keeping your cows and your cow herd an optimum body condition score. You can always jump online to westwayfeedproducts.com and find a rep near you and get any additional information that you may need or may have. And you can call anytime, 800-800-7517. That's 800-800-7517. Westway Feed Products. Now, market numbers, sales, and more of what you need to know is coming up on the Ranch It Up Radio Show. We keep bringing you more and more information about Pharmatan, and for very good reason, it just works. Now, with calves getting ready to head to the sale barn, producers are culling cows and getting ready for next year. So start feeding Pharmatan now to the cow herd and knock scours out for next year. And here's the best part. It's super easy to incorporate into your existing rations. It can be fed in tubs, a TMR, loose mineral, liquid portions, doesn't matter. They work with all major feed manufacturers. It's PharmatanUSA.com and follow along on Facebook. LivestockMarket.com. We hear from them each and every week highlighting various sales and lots, but have you taken the time to cruise the site, look around and see what cattle are bringing? How about lower that sale expense and give Livestock Market a try? It's about the easiest way to market your stock and it puts your product on a worldwide view. LivestockMarket.com. It's simple and it works. You're going through your calves, looking what worked and what didn't work. So as you're reviewing your program, you need to ask, is this a time to change? Is this a time to make additions or subtractions? Galvi and Balancer may just be the right fit for you. Galvi and Galvi-influenced females offer sustainability and maternal growth while the bulls can add those extra pounds at weaning. Find a breeder near you, galvi.org. Or check out Galvi on Facebook. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Ranch It Up Radio Show. It's that time when we check in with Kirk Donsbach, StoneX Financial Incorporated, and you can get his free newsletter by texting the word cattle, C-A-T-T-L-E-2, 33777. Kirk, I'm going to hand the mic your direction. Let's talk numbers. What happened last week? All right, Tigger, as of September 1st, September feeder futures closed the week at 251.55. That's up 37.5 cents on the week with the CME feeder index at 248.93. So we had the cash prices up $3.34 on the week. That left our basis or the difference at a negative $2.62 versus September futures. October live cattle closed the week at 180. And two and a half cents. That's down a dollar two and a half. With cash trading one seventy eight to one seventy nine in the south, and one eighty two to one eighty six in the north. Our listeners will notice we've had a little kind of sideways to weaker trade in the cash market as of lately. That left the five area weighted average down two dollars and sixty four cents at one eighty two sixty nine, and the basis versus October futures a positive two dollars and sixty six and a half cents. That's a Pretty noticeable thing when you have October futures, you know, a couple months out in front of us, sitting only $2.5 over cash. So our, our listeners should also take note of that. The weekly slaughter came in at 629000 That's up 3000 from last week and 13000 below the same week last year. Choice boxes were down 341 at $314.49 a hundredweight. To wrap this all up, December corn closed the week at $4.82. That's down 4.5 cents on the week. As corn continues, it's consolidating sideways action, trying to find a seasonal low. So, Kirk, before I say fairly well, I got a question for you. Have you marketed your calves yet? The 2023 are gone. Um, well, they're not gone. They're market. They're priced. Uh, we will ship them in October, and I'm actually seriously considering uh, hedging the 2024 calves. So, unborn calves, as the August feeder contract just came on the board for 2024. And uh, by my math, I can protect about a 270, you know, six-weight calf, steer calf. And that's definitely got my attention. I'm not fired on that, but I'm I'm definitely paying attention to that. Okay, so this gives us something more that we're going to dance with next week. Hey, Kirk, as always, I appreciate it. Thank you, Tigger, and and to all, have a nice week out there. And that's going to wrap it for today, everyone. A big thanks from our crew to yours, Kirk Donsbach with Stonex Financial Incorporated, Dr. Kelly Sanders with Westway Feed Products, Dr. Kevin Sedevig with NDSU Extension, and the boss lady, Rebecca Warner, a.k.a. Beck. It's been a busy one. Crew, so glad you all came with us one more time as we ranch it up. Be sure to like and follow us on all social medias. And join us again next week where it's always Tigger approved. Stay ranchy and ranch it up. <laughs>